Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the question and we answer. I'm joined as always by my lovely, gorgeous, intelligent, inspiring co-host, Kristen Williams. Hi, everybody. Hey, Laura. This is the best. Hey, honey. So fun. All right. So this is from Bunker Bunker. <laughs> What could help soreness slash stiffness in the middle spine? It feels linked to digestion as well. Ooh. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I'm guessing she's talking, he or she, they're talking about their um, middle back, their thoracic spine, which is the part of the spine that attaches to your rib cage. And while, you know, when we think of digestion, we think of more of the, the stomach, but, you know, the stomach kind of, kind of, can, can creep up in that area. So, and I also find that people will have issues with digestion with, with a poor rounded, you know, closed off posture. When you think about the thoracic spine, it, it, it needs to be mobile. It's not super mobile. It's the least mobile of part of your spine, but it attaches to the ribs. You needs to be ha- help that rib cage stack right over the pelvis. So if you are rounded forward, which a lot of people are and they are talking about stiffness, which, you know, oftentimes is usually more stuck in a flexed position. They have difficulty extending. Well, you can imagine that that can absolutely affect digestion. You know, how your stomach is feeling. If you've ever had a, had a big 
meal, the last thing you want to do is slouch. You lean back, you unzip your pants and you like, you extend your thoracic spine. You know, that's what we do to help digestion. And so to me, that's, uh, that's first I've heard someone link it, but it's not surprising when we think about it just physiologically and biomechanically. So, I mean, so many great ways to mobilize your thoracic spine using foam rollers, you know, arching your back over. I think she, he or she is probably, you know, missing some rotation components too, lying on your side, adding that chest opening coupled with the um, roll back rotation just to get some movement in the thoracic spine is also going to facilitate movement around those, you know, digestive organs. Um, when we move, we move our bowels better. You think about when do you get stopped up? It's when you're traveling, when you're flying long distances, when when you're not moving like you normally do, when you're unable to move like you normally do. So, you know, I completely think that if this person can work on, and I'm sure Laura's going to show, you know, talk about some more great ways to mobilize your 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 middle back. They are going to see major improvements in how their stomach feels, how their digestion works. Laura, what else do you have to add about that? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great, um, that just a great insight this person has, bunker, bunker, and it is really something that probably a lot of people experience. So the two things I would add. Um, one is, yeah, if you're sitting a lot or even standing, you can be in this flex position. And that um, often when you're stiff there, when you stand up straighter or attempt to, you're, you just push your ribs forward. So you don't ever find that kind of stacked position where what we call neutral, which is when we're in our alignment and everything is balanced. So you can even um, practice like putting your hand on your lower ribs in back and trying to actually move your front body back into that to, and you'll feel hopefully some opening and the area between the ribs is called the intercostal space. We want that to be pretty even between all the ribs. So often people that are describing this stiff middle back, it feels just really locked down. But then when it locks down and they try and lift up, all they do is move their ribs forward. So the big thing to remember with this is when that pattern is ingrained, you're also not tapping into your deeper postural muscles, which by the way, share fascia with your viscera. I mean, there's the low back and the front deep core muscles are very close together. And those front deep core muscles, like the transverse and some of even the internal obliques are very close um, to the fascia of the uh, viscera, which is, you know, your gut. So if you're not working those core muscles, they actually can help the motility of digestion. And so like, that's why, again, when you're just sitting for a long periods of time, there's nothing that is making that there obviously is some natural digestion happening, but it's really accompanied by movement when, you know, if you ever feel like you have, you're uh, constipated, you, you need to move. You need to get in there. So, uh, you know, get deep in there and help some of that um, move around. And when you do that, if you find there's a ton of tenderness when you're getting in there, imagine all this intersection between the innards and the muscles 
because they are close to each other and they are kind of sticky and you just need them to have some glide and slide because that helps the motility. So posture also just stacking that rib cage. Think so when you're sitting or standing, just think the bottom of your ribs in front is your xiphoid. You don't have to go there, but just imagine that trying to be in the same line as your pubic bone. You can even kind of draw it down there without rounding, right? We're trying to stay upright, but it's this connection of, of how to hold the ribs in a good position and then do the things like Kristen was talking about, rotation, extending. Extending is not just thrusting the ribs back. It's actually getting really long, stretching your spine up and then trying to open the chest and feel the scapula kind of catch you as you lean back. But you're going to have tone in your abdominals unless you're just on the chair, which is a great stretch to do. You can do this at the chair, uh, the door, like a door stretch. And then that rotation is really, again, stack it first and then start moving the, like you were whittling. We always talk about like whittling a, a stick and that's your spine. So you're not doing it from your shoulders because then you're going to make those areas, the intercostal space, close down in one area and and we really again we can do side bending and have it closed down you want those ribs to be free to move but you have to start your the position of uh neutral so think about that like check out our posture series we go into this in detail how do you find triple s well s the scapula are where the shoulders in, attach essentially or connect via muscles and fascia to the back of the rib cage when your scapula is moving better and your thoracic spine is moving better, your shoulders are going to move better. You're going to move better all around and movement is what's going to help digestion. So I love this uh, connection and get back to us if that helps you. All right. Uh, next question. Miriam Tabrez asks, I see a lot of handstand quote pros teach a post posterior pelvic tilt for a straight line. Is that okay to do? Um, I will go ahead and jump right in. You know, the answer is going to be it always depends. But yeah, I think it's fine because what they're basically doing is if you are a lot of movement we do is a movement pattern that doesn't actually produce movement, but is to stabilize against another movement. So in this case, for example, what do most people do in handstand? They do that thing like the banana back, right? They're arching huge anterior tilt. So producing the feeling of a posterior tilt, and in fact, actually might be getting it, is actually, and once you get your straight line, you don't have to do a ton of that, but you can do that as a deterrent toward the natural feeling of anterior tilt. Because when you are, you know, when you're, I was explaining this again to my client, because because when I was you know, getting her ribs back. She is, she was a dancer. And so she really leads with her chin and her chest. And that's leading to all the shoulder into the, the forearm um, stuff. And when I got her in line, she's like, I feel like I'm just like now a straight pole and I've lost my natural curves. And I said, you are a straight pole in terms of the center of gravity going down. That is what you want. You're not losing your natural curves, but the line of your gravitational forces is we want it to be a straight line. So it, I, if you feel like you're a straight line, that's actually good because that means 
that's the clearest, most efficient way for gravity to travel and then travel back up. When you when you get excessive curves in one direction or diminished in another, you actually are losing that vertical line, the center of gravity. So take that upside down in a handstand, you want that line, you want it. And to do that, you're going to have to think, what are the thi- where are the places that most people tend to um, over-exaggerate? And it's that they lose their pelvis. They'll tip their pelvis because the weight of their legs just makes it easy to do. You can still stand on your hands, by the way. A lot of people do and tip the pelvis with the weight of the legs and still kind of manage. Is it efficient? No, because your cent- that, that whole line of center of gravity going down through your body is not there. So this coaching to posteriorly tilt your pelvis is one way of doing it. You can think of pulling your pubic bone up towards your sternum. There's a lot of ways you can externally cue to help it happen. So there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's to do that as a um, counter to the natural tendency for the pelvis to tilt. And I would argue that there aren't many people who, in that position with the arms in full shoulder flexion, who are able to truly go into a posterior pelvic tilt. So while you're, remember, posteriorly tilting the pelvis is different than being posteriorly tilted. So we exactly. will tell- it's the action of it versus there's not- Posteriorly no. tilt to get to neutral, to get closer to neutral, mm-hmm. to get- out of that anterior tilt because a lot of times people are just tight in their lats and their shoulders so they'll go that naturally pulls the pelvis into that position plus it's just easier because uh, you aren't in it is a lot harder to balance in full shoulder flexion versus being not flexed and looking at your hands and you kind of go into that that banana back um you know it we aren't as strong at this end range of shoulder so but by posteriorly tilting the pelvis, it can help you. Like you said, Laura, you move in one place to move to affect another. It can help you with the shoulders. It can help you engage the core. Right. It can tighten so, up that thoracodorsal fascia yeah. that is going to give you, that connects, by the way, huge from the glutes all the way up into the scapula stabilizers. So yeah. by firming that up with the action of posterior pelvic tilting, it is going to help you stabilize. But to your point, like if you're tight there, it will, that's, you know, that's something you're going to have to work on um, right. because it, you might find, you know, you do that and there's a leak somewhere else. It is. <laughs> it's like, and then especially then you get upside down and you're all confused. Where oh, am yeah. I? I've got no idea. I always say, you know, handstands are like the truth teller because you really cannot um, kind of, I mean, you can hang, but you're not going to be able to do it for long and you're, it's not going to ever feel really safe and secure by just hanging on your joints. Yeah. All right. Uh, Nin Facampos 29. Which exercises or stretches should we be doing on a daily basis to preserve our joints? Great question. Hi, friends. I'm reminding you we have an upcoming Lit Europe tour And we would love for you to join us, whether you live in Europe or not. Get on to these workshops. Maybe travel with us and go from one place to another. I mean, we're going to Paris. We're going to Frankfurt, Germany. Then we're heading to Salzburg, Austria. We're going to have the best time. And we would love to see you. There's nothing like an in-person workshop experience to fine-tune your movement 
get some real educational nuggets for better movement on and off the mat. And by the way, we have the best time together. We would love to give you a hug and help you move your best and feel your best. So join us in Europe this summer. Check out the show notes for all the details. Yeah, you know, I don't think that there is a cookie cutter answer to that. I know, Laura, you and I probably both have our favorites based on, we see patterns. We see patterns in bodies. We see a lot of hip restriction. So we see a lot of, um, you know, restriction in flexion, extension, rotation. We see a lot of restriction in the posterior, like cervical, upper cervical area. We see a lot of restriction in the thoracic spine. You know, so I would argue I have my favorites of just doing like a simple cat-cow is a great way to keep your spinal mobility. Doing um, some hip circles, you know, circling truly just the femur moving within the pelvis. A lot of us are limited there. So you can do that in a variety of ways. You can do that in a supported bridge, just moving your hip around. You can do a supported bridge just internally and externally like a like like a windshield wiper. You're your hips. You can do that in a three-legged dog with how we love to do it, or dolphins circling the hips around. Great way to keep mobility there. Um, thoracic extension, doing you know some sort of a of a extension over a block um, is a great way to just combat gravity that we find ourselves fighting against all day in a, in a poor posture. And then the triple S is basically mobility for a lot of that area, but you know that posterior, that suboccipital region, that lifting of the mastoid process right behind the jaw up and away kind of growing taller getting some length um certainly those are like probably my top three or four based on what i see oh ankle let's not forget foot and ankle you know really getting into that ankle dorsiflexion that a lot of people are lacking so you know some sort of a soleus stretch or a or a a glide of the the talus which is you know, part of the ankle joint, you know, that posterior glide to really work on maintaining your ankle mobility. Because if you don't have mobility in the ankle, you're going to usually send it right up to your low back, into the knees, et cetera, which are two areas that are are already injured enough. But it is not, again, cookie cutter. Everybody needs this. It is, it's just a nice way to kind of keep tabs. And if you start noticing that, oh, wow, this feels stiffer than it did six months ago, you can keep doing it. Or if you see a difference left to right, Finding a little balance in your body is uh, can go a long, long way. What else do you have to add to that, Laura? I think you covered it a lot. I mean, I think doing uh, like in you know in lit we we do so much movement variability, and that is the best way to cover all these bases. You know, so that you get say you're doing a side lunge and you're getting ankle dorsiflexion, you're getting hip flexion, you're having a nice extended spine, and then you could add some rotation to it because thoracic rotation is in addition to thoracic extension is often really limited. And then you're getting some nice opening for that um, adductor. So if I'm side lunging to the right and deepening into right hip flexion and ankle dorsiflexion, my left adductor, there's long ones and there's short ones that attach to the pubic bone on that left side that are getting a nice uh, pull, which almost everyone tends to be a little restricted in adductors. Those are the inner thighs. We talk about groins and all that, it's kind of this synonymous. Um, Yes, and I agree. Like, start by doing a triple S regularly where you get feedback. Go to the wall, go to the floor, see where do you have the most trouble in connecting to the surface, whether it's the wall or the floor. If it's your head, you know, mm, probably need a lot more neck stuff doing that. 
opening of the suboccipitals, doing some lateral flexion, rotation, freeing it up. But more than anything, it's you can do these mobility drills, but then you have to pay attention. Like, where is my skull stacked on my neck throughout the day? Um, and then, like you said, going down the chain, doing thoracic rotation and extension, shoulder stuff. I mean, you know, it's fascinating because everyone pretty much is born with the ability for full shoulder, like a full 360 of our shoulder. But almost everyone <laughs> loses that, right? Because of gravity and our jobs and our lifestyles. Whereas our hips, not everybody has the same ability structurally to do the ranges, but you can stay within the range that's available to you for your hip and you need to. Um, and so the biggest thing about mobility and stretching is how you do it is more important than anything. Because if you think you're just stretching your hip or mobilizing your hip, but in fact, you're also moving your back with it and your pelvis, you're not going to change your mobility in your hip. And in fact, you're just going to reinforce some movement patterns that aren't going to serve you. So really pay attention to that. And yes, take lit. I mean, because you're going to just get so educated on this. It's not going to be something that you're going to, you'll, you'll just wake up and you'll feel like, oh, naturally, I just need to roll my shoulders out. That's what I need. That's really what we're serving up more than anything is your helping your brain body communication so that you are really, um, you're, you're, you're tapped in, you know what you need and you honor it and give it. And then it's like a refresh, but you don't have to like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to operate from my 1999 hardware. That's really hard to do. I want to operate from like yesterday or, you know, a couple of weeks before and, and refresh that. I'm looking okay. at Slim what was Shady. That? I'm looking I at know, Slim, Slim Shady. Shady is terrible posture right now. He's he terrible. He really does. Poor. I'm so sad. Poor. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's do this last question because this is another handstand question from Home Life 11. Um, words of wisdom for people who are strong enough but fear going into handstand because we know fear is a mother effer, right? It is, it is the thing that um, unites almost everybody in handstands. So just know you're never, ever alone in that. It's scary. It is super scary. Um, you know, and this is where I think you just, you really have to have fun with it um, and, and know, like you said, Laura, you're not alone. I know I had a great advantage. I used to do gymnastics when I was little, so I'm used to being on my hands. Um, it, it it now doing it in the middle of a wooden floor that took me years to get the guts to do because I was scared so for a while I did it against the wall that I knew I needed to come away from the wall so I went out and I did it in the grass and I did it um you know someplace that was at the beach someplace I could grab where I felt like I had more uh cushion if I fell I think you need to know that you've got a good fallout plan. So, you know, really, I have worked with a lot of people on handstands, and sometimes it's boiled down to me teaching people how to do a cartwheel. A cartwheel is basically how you're coming out of a handstand. And if you don't know how to do a cartwheel, that idea of lifting a hand to step out is very scary. So, you know, working on a, it doesn't have to be a perfect cartwheel, but just this idea of being on one hand at a time um, can go a long way. Uh, you know, so just 
had fun. I, I, I do think that um, there's a certain, certain stress anyway about a handstand, this kind of goal oriented. So kind of maybe try to let go of that. I know that was big for me. I definitely got little head, head case, you know, issues for a while with handstands. And I just said, forget about it. Don't spot me. Leave me alone. I'll figure it out. And I did because I just had fun with it. What else do you have to add to that, Laura? I think all of that. And then I think it's really important a couple of things. Um, being so driven to get vertical <laughs> upside down is, is it can be like running after water in, in a desert. You know, it's just like there's an oasis and you just and you have to really reframe this because. Uh, and, and I've I've battled with this because I've been teaching handstands for so long, and I've sometimes thought, am I just tapping into that like, you know, compare culture or whatever? And it's like, but what I think it does is it brings your ego up right in front of you for you to say, hey, this isn't about performing it, getting it, comparing myself to anybody up. It's really about getting to know myself, trusting myself having patience with that, putting in some joy, some childlike, let's just go for it. But then for anybody, and I know like home life, you know, like when we're older, we also, we don't want to be fearful of falling, but we want to be really solid because the fall is not the same as when we're a kid. And we know that in our mind, but we don't want to go into it with the fear. So what do you do to combat fear? You prep yourself like crazy. You really make it about, I'm going to feel so solid with my hands on the floor, with my scapula supporting my me in the back, and I'm going to push like I would jump and hop off of the bottom foot. And forget about how much you get up. Focus on that structure. I can't tell you enough. Like I see the change in people. If they get the shoulders over the wrist and they just bend and, bend and push off, bend and push off the bottom leg. And don't get over eager and start with the top leg because that is where you start not trusting yourself because maybe you go too far and then you panic and that panic can really set you back because what we're really trying to do is feel at home in our bodies and safe in our bodies and to transmit that in different directions, different angles, upside down, et cetera. So I think keep on the journey. It's, it's a journey that will make you frustrated if you're just like, only going to be satisfied with that oasis, right? I think the actual day in and day out of practicing it and seeing how it feels, seeing if you feel lighter as you leave the ground, that to me is where we should be putting the focus and the joy. And that is the goal is to feel that, to feel that through action. So it's one of those, you know, it's kind of like some poses and this is a big one. It's either you you, you're in it or you're not. And there's a lot longer you're not in it. We'll start to think about like you're actually in it in different ways when you have just a little bit of weight off the ground. So I hope that helps. <laughs> have fun. fun. All right. As always, um, we love your questions. We love the variety of them. Ask us anything about the body, movement, lifestyle, energy, being a mom, being a parent, anything. Uh, we're up for it. So you can write us on Instagram, laura.hyman. Kristen is kb99williams. You can write, um, or kbwilliams99. <laughs> then also you can just do it right to our Redefining Yoga podcast, which is at Redefining Yoga podcast.
Yeah. You can also email us at support at lityoga.com and we'll get those questions answered for you. We would love if you would rate, you know, review, subscribe to our podcast and to our Instagram and check us out on YouTube. Uh, we've got some, if you want to watch us in action. That's always fun. Yeah. Yep. So as always, we're so appreciative for you and we're always we're pulling, pulling for you. you. Yay! Yay! Yay!